Welcome to episode 85 of Biz Nation. I'm your host, Kerry Zalb. In this episode, we have a combination of two previous episodes with my good biz buddy, David from Six Gun. David is supporting business owners with his amazing advice for SEO. Three letters many of us fear and shy away from. So let's get right into it. So SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. And it's ultimately about getting those organic placements in Google's search results. We use Google interchangeably with search engines because in Australia, the market share is just so high. But it also applies to things like Bing and, 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 and other search engines as well. But generally, what it's all about is taking those organic positions in the search results. Inside Google, you've got the ads that show up at the top and then immediately under the ads, you've got the organic listings uh, as well as the Google My Business listings. So ultimately, you know, as you can imagine, when people type something like that in, you want to show up as high as possible on Google's list. And doing it organically means that you don't have to pay on a per click basis like their ad system, for example. So it's definitely one of those channels that it's something that can firstly take a little bit of time to get moving. So it's not an overnight type of strategy. That's probably the first thing to keep in mind. Obviously, there's a massive benefit to be ranking highly in the list, getting you know organic traffic as a result, and then ultimately leads and conversions. So, you know, visibility is key. You know, it can definitely support small businesses in that way, getting them the visibility they need to support the business sales conversion. And the good thing about SEO is that you know often small businesses are localized. Because it's localized, the competition is quite low, which means that you know using a strategy like SEO, you can get traction relatively easily for that type of channel. So you know it's one of those things that it can definitely support additional traffic, additional sales, and it's in some industries, not all industries it's a bit of a no-brainer to, to use it and, and begin to play around with it. There's a number of factors that influence SEO performance, and we like to break it down into three distinct buckets. The first bucket is architecture, and inside architecture is really all the technical nitty-gritty setup of the website, and encompasses things like, you know, there's title tags, for example, going to the website, um, things like how the sitemap is set up, how, the structure of pages and internal linking set up on the website. There's a really, you know, big, big list that we go through to kind of make sure everything's in order, but there's that technical piece. Uh, and then you've got content on the website, which is, you know, that's where you probably, a lot of the keywords are going to find themselves um, in terms of that strategy. Um, and then you have what's called link building. And link building is all about, you know, getting other websites on the internet to link back to your website. And that ultimately acts as a vote. And that's how, you know, a lot of authority is passed and how SEO performance is assessed ultimately. But it's not just about the quantity, it's also about the quality when it comes to link building. It's a little bit of a complicated mechanism um, and Google isn't very fond of sharing what the exact algorithm is in terms of what the ranking factors are. But, you know, if you take those three buckets, once you've, you know, set up the website from an architecture standpoint, it's really a combination of, you know, if you, if you envision a, you know, an excavator or something like that, they're the three levers that we have to pull. That's what we got to play with. The first thing is probably to decide if you have the time to learn about SEO, 
or if it's better to find a provider that can help you deliver SEO. Now, if you've got the time, I mean, learning SEO as a business owner and, and, and other digital marketing skills would have to be really quite high on the list of things to learn about. So if you've got the time, learning about SEO is a really good way to, to approach it. And there's so much great content out there. I mean, it's remarkable. You can type in, you know, there's so many guides, there's so much information, there's so much free stuff about it. And it's a pretty big topic. You know, just beginning the search and, you know, there's some really good hubs of information. Moz, moz.com is a really good place to start for beginners because there's some really great guides around how things work and some of the basics and getting an, an understanding of that. So I'd say if the person has time, spending that time on, you know, learning some marketing initiatives that can help get their business out of situation they're in could be a great a great way to use that time. If they're looking for a provider, you know, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good, um, service providers that, that do SEO well, so they won't be short of, of finding someone that can that they mesh with and that they trust and that they feel can can deliver. Definitely some places for people to start in terms of the tactics they can use. And one of the first tactics would probably be around having some idea around the keywords that you want to rank for and the keyword research piece that comes right at the start before you really begin implementing anything on the website itself. Now, keyword research is, a lot of keyword research comes down to common sense, having that relevancy, understanding what your customers are typing in. If you're in business as a local plumber, for example, you, you know, you, people are going to be typing in plumber suburb. That's how that kind of thing works. And you know, if you're a photographer in Melbourne and you want to type Melbourne, photographer Melbourne, for example, um, is a keyword that would be on, on your list. Um, you can also use the Google Ads Keyword Planner tool, which gives you some information around search volume for those terms. And then something else that you know a small business owner might want to do is you know, review the list of um, search results for these particular terms to determine how competitive the other brands are. Because sometimes your competition isn't necessarily who you think it is digitally, because they might have a stress, like other brands might have a stronger presence online. They might have more backlinks, for example, more referring domains. Whereas some of the players that you might deem to be a bit more your competition, they might have a weaker presence online. So keyword research is probably number one, determining kind of what people are typing in, having an understanding of that, even if it's at a very basic level, making sure that those keywords are getting added to the website in the right way. Well, the first thing that people really need to grapple with is the USP of the business. So what is it about their offer or what they're selling that is enticing to a buyer? Is it, you know, is, is the business model based on having the lowest prices? Is it based on having you know, the fastest turnaround? Is it based on having the highest quality? Getting clear on those kind of things, I think is a really good prerequisite to the next piece of kind of, how do you take that and kind of get it out there into the world? You need to think about, okay, how do we get that message out into market? And there's a number of different ways to do that. So if you sell a product or service that a lot of people search for, so let's say they go into Google and they search for it. So let's say, you know, you're a plumber. You want to start your own plumbing business. You've been working on the tools for a long time. You want to start your own business, kind of get out and do it yourself and hire a few um, apprentices and the, and the rest of it. People go onto Google and they type in plumber Melbourne or plumber suburb. You know, that's how people find plumbing. You know, they have an immediate need that needs to be solved. When people type those keywords into Google, for example, they are ready to find a plumber right then and there. They're not looking, you know, in the future. Like, let's say, you know, if you're starting 
starting as a plumber, you don't really need to build brand. You know, you need immediate lead more, more importantly than building brand. You know, as the business grows, yes, brand's important. It's something to look at. But at, at the very start, I'd say lead generation is the most important thing. You know, because people search in that, in that way, Plumber Melbourne, for example, you want to make sure that you're coming up on Google either through paid mechanisms like Google Ads or SEO, things like that as well. Do you want to come up when people have the intention to buy it? Or is your product the kind of product or service that people don't necessarily need to know that they want it or need it until they see it? Yeah. And if you bring that back to the startup space, like in the startup space, there's a lot of products, services that are quite new to market that don't really have an established base in terms of like what to even call them. For example, so again, that makes intention-based searching very, very hard. If you've got a product, for example, or a service that's a little bit unique in the way that um, you know people don't really search for it, they don't really know that they need it or want it until they see it. Yeah. Then you kind of need to adjust um, adjust the marketing, you know, to kind of fit. You know, as a business, people need to decide on you know what platform is the best starting point because normally that's that's the trickiest part, right? Yeah. Once a business is more established, usually, usually it's a combination of a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. so pulling out the, the best parts of each platform to support the goals of the business. But when a business is you know, a startup and it's kind of like, okay, we kind of only have the funds to do one thing, you know, and kind of see how that goes, which is, which is often the case. Um, you know, you want to be picking wisely as to which channel that is based on, is it the kind of thing people search for? And if it is the kind of thing people search for directly, do you have the capacity to compete against the other people in that industry? So through local searches, you know, if you want, if you're the kind of business that attracts local searches, Plum is a perfect example of that. Google My Business is a very important aspect of what you want to be doing with your SEO. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But then, you know, there are if you're a service that that let's say um, you're a digital service that can be delivered nationwide. Google My Business has less of a of a pull because someone searching, you know, from from Perth, um, for example, for a particular service, no matter what that would be, it's very unlikely unless they're typing the brand name that, you know, a Google My Business kind of listing is going to come up for a business in Melbourne. It's just, yeah. you know, it's just simply not the way that it works. So, again, um, you'd have to look at, you know, is there local intention based on what it is? Plumber's perfect example. You know, a fashion kind of a store that posts Australia-wide, for example, is probably an example of one that Google My Business probably wouldn't be as applicable for because people are unlikely to search, you know, dress suburb. You know, that's probably not really going to happen. Even dress Melbourne. I mean, people know that, you know, if they want to dress, they go to the Myers or they go to shop online with the, you know, all of the, all the big players that are already established. So... The USP, the target market, and then kind of like what, how do people find these products generally? Is it by searching like a plumber or is it by discovering the product because it's perhaps new to market um, and there isn't really a lot of search volume. People aren't really searching for it because it's kind of this new thing. And again, that would dictate kind of quite heavily where to go and where to begin. But some good rules of thumb to consider, you know, Google ads and, um, SEO are very, very good on those intention-based searches. You know, if you if you have a brand that lends itself well to that and the competition is, you know, you can compete against it, 
And particularly if you can do things a bit more locally, like if your keywords lend themselves to um, to work well with a local specifier, like the plumber, Blackburn, for example, um, then, you know, the search space, SEO, Google Ads, perfect place to begin and invest time. On the other side, if your product doesn't really do that, there isn't enough search volume or search intent for the product, or it's too hard to compete. Um, and it's the kind of product that people would would likely purchase just by kind of seeing it in their newsfeed. Fashion's a pretty good example of that. Then, you know, Facebook is a really good place to begin. Um, and that kind of flows into Instagram. So when I say Facebook, the Facebook ads platform basically ties into Instagram because Facebook owns Instagram. So when I say Facebook ads, I, I ultimately mean Facebook and Instagram bundled together. Um, the other one to consider if you're in the B2B space would be LinkedIn. Now LinkedIn is, LinkedIn's a challenge from an ads perspective. I think, you know, as a business, you'd probably try to utilize it a little bit more in the organic, um, in, in the organic kind of, um, like using it organically in the sense of, you know, putting up good content, reaching out to, um, you know, possibly prospects and providing an offer a bit more directly. There's a few different ways to use it for those kind of purposes. LinkedIn makes perfect sense for that kind of situation. Email marketing is one of those ones that, you know, you should be collecting people's emails for a variety of mechanisms, whether that be existing customers, whether that be, you know, offering them something to get an email address, for example, like a, a free ebook or, or something like that. Email marketing is, is still probably the highest return on investment marketing channel that there is in digital. So it's, it's very much worth doing. And it is also a channel where you own the data. Whereas, you know, it's, it can be a little bit crazy to be focused on building, you know, a high number of Facebook likes to your page, for example, when only a very small percentage of those people see your posts when they go out and you don't have any control over it. Whereas email, you've got complete control. You can email all the people in that list. They'll all get that email. I mean, there will be some that you know, spam filters and don't kind of come through and whatever. There's always, you know, deliverable deliverability issues when it comes to email to some degree, but you ultimately control the messaging and you can do whatever you want with that, you know, basically do whatever you want with it. So um, it's a very good place to um, be building, be building in the background as the business grows from, from day one. Now there's industries where it makes more sense, right? So I don't think there's too many plumbers out there that really have an email database. Because no. <laughs> it's one of those things that, you know, unless you're a plumber that does like, you know, let's say maintenance as opposed to like fixing an immediate problem. Now let's be honest, like, you know, a lot of appliances require some kind of plumbing maintenance, but people don't really do that. Like it's just not, Unless perhaps you're in the commercial space and then it might be, you know, like a compliance related um, thing that has to be done. Um, in which case that might be a little bit of a different angle. But for the average plumber that's doing residential work, how important is an email list? You know, probably not that important because who's hearing from their plumber? And again, like what what is that? How is that going to work? But I mean, just because it isn't being done doesn't mean it couldn't be done well. You know, if you had a plumber and you had like, you know, put all your customers in an email list and then sent them like, you know, tips every six months around like, oh, we're heading into winter, do these things to make sure that your, you know, appliances last more. You'll probably end up getting a customer base that is extremely loyal to you. Whenever there's a problem, they're going to be hitting you up, which is, which is what you want ultimately anyway. So there is still, 
you know, I haven't really seen it being done in that space because there's probably higher things on the list in terms of priority, but the reality is it could probably be done extremely well. Thanks for tuning in to this short, sharp episode. If you would like to catch the full episode, please head back to episodes number 23 and 67 on this podcast. I am your host, Kerry Zarb, and I'd love to catch you on your favourite social media platform. You can find me on Clubhouse, Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn by searching my name, Kerry Zarb, or on my website at kerryzarb.com. Don't forget, you can also catch me on my other podcast and YouTube channel, Coffee with Kerry. 